Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Sans Pants Radio. Warning. The following show features stunts performed either by professionals or under the supervision of professionals. Accordingly, MTV and the producers must insist that no one attempt to recreate or reenact any stunt or activity performed on this show. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to this week's episode of Movie Maintenance, where some movies just need fixing. I'm Tom Eggoose. I'm Handsome Tom. I'm Gabe. And this week we're looking at Kong Skull Island. That soundtrack is fucking It's mixed. really, really good. Wow. I've got one of my little notes here. Great soundtrack. It's very on the nose, but it's fucking excellent. On the nose? It's on the nose in the best possible it way. Is. It's a Look, I, I think on the nose, all the criticisms you can lob at a King Kong movie, on the nose probably isn't one of the ones that's going to hold like that much water, really, when all of a sudden not really a problem. he was never me. really a strong suit of the franchise. That's true. What are you talking about? It's all, it, Do you know what? Do you know what? Go on, mate. Go right on. <laughs> there, was there it is... Beauty that killed the beast? Yeah, that's pretty subtle, mate. Is it, though? That's pretty subtle. It's, that's not subtext, that's text. Do you know what is? <laughs> yeah, nah, fair. Uh, fair. <laughs> I am really intrigued. Goose. Yes. About where you're going with this. Because having watched the film, holy fuck, what a good time. Yeah, it's I, really, really enjoyable. I loved it. Except, okay, so... No exceptions. No, no, there, well, there are, but like... so there, there the are Rogue One of 2017. Background here, obviously, to anybody who's listened to this podcast before, you're probably aware that I rather like the King Kong franchise, just no. a wee bit. Uh, franchise Since is a pretty when? strong word for a collection of relatively disparate films, only a couple of which are direct sequels, I, I think, but I think anyway. It's, it's on brand for us to call it a franchise. Yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> At the, this current iteration is most definitely a franchise. Yeah. So, like, I was I was really excited for Kong Skull Island. Like, the day I was heading in to see it, at this moment where I was like, holy fuck, I can't remember the last time I was as excited for anything. I can. Um, Jurassic World. I can remember the last time I was as excited for anything. <laughs> I did not know anyway, you then, so I can't comment. Um, so I, I went in and and look straight away. The first part of the film, the bit where they're flying into Vietnam, the music's playing, the oh, helicopter's road the is like turning in like Fuck, it's gorgeous, oh, amazing. Like and I was sitting there being like, and I was literally sitting there with the biggest grin on my face in cinema, bouncing up and down my chair, being like, "This is fucking awesome! I love the shit out of this." As it went on. Lots of good moments, all of that. But, you know, I sort of had my movie maintenance hat on a little bit. And there were things where I was like, Tom Hiddleston and Brie Larson, what are you doing in this film? Um, John C. Riley, you're really good, but why is there not more of you? Tom, Tom um, keep Brie Larson, just write Tom straight Hiddleston away, they were like, same That's film. kind of what I thought. That was sort of the first thing I thought in terms of, like, ways to fix it. Otherwise, like, okay, so the bit where Tom, Tom Hiddleston's got that moment where, like, the camera zooms in on him. It's like, we're going to save Kong. And it's like suddenly it's like why do you why do you give a shit like because you have that one moment where you kind of looked at him up on that mountain. You had a staring like, what contest. you what you have is you have a scene where the skull crawlers attacks the villagers and Tom Hiddleston and Brie Larson when they're sort of staying with the villagers are desperately trying to save them and realize they're woefully outmatched and Kong comes in and saves the villagers and that's when they realize they realize that okay they need Kong here to protect these yeah, people because Brie Larson has that moment earlier by yeah, herself yeah, with yeah, the yeah. big water buffalo where Kong lifts the helicopter yeah. off and she goes huh you're all right but you're for- all right. Again, so for her, for her, she's for the her, only her, one who makes has sense that. for her. Yeah, she's the only one who has um, that. Yeah, also John C. Riley. Like, so yeah, yeah. There, there are a lot of things that kind of stood out. I think it had the potential to like go a bit deep with all the characters to make it something that was memorable. Because my biggest problem with the film, as much of a good time as I had when the credits rolled, and like despite all my like franchise cynicism. In the end credit scene, we had like Godzilla's roar kind of playing over it. I was like, holy oh, fucking yeah, shit, yeah. I am so oh. ready for this. And yet- Hyped as shit. And yet, you know what? Like I walked out of the cinema and I was like, yeah, that was a really good time. Really enjoyed that. Had an, had an awesome time. And then the next day, I would be hard pressed to tell you much about the film. 
It's one of those movies oh, that's fun no. in the moment and then kind of just doesn't stick with you. It's, it's making my Blu-ray shelf. Oh, it will definitely make when my Blu-ray. When I get purely, a Blu-ray player, it is making my <laughs> Blu-ray shelf. <laughs> purely because it is the most... I haven't watched a film that beautiful oh, since Mad Max incredible. Fury Road. Well in done. Terms yeah. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. The, oh. The, the cinematography, oh my yeah. god! The, the visuals, the helicopter absolutely. Shots, the yeah. stuff in the smoke, the silhouette of Kong, yeah, like the flames reflected in the glasses, oh, yeah, fucking gorgeous. all of just it. Just Samuel Jackson the, glaring at everything. Yeah, the the road is all turning in time to the music. Oh, Fuck, oh, mm, oh. so good. Full credit to Larry Fong. But I, I, think, I think some credit. Okay, I do think some credit here has to go to the director as well because, like, mm. he's the one who gave it that real sense of style that the first act he did a had lot in for spades. This film. He took this then film sort of lost as it went on. Um, yeah, true, yeah, he true, did. True, that, true. that came from him. I, I do think this film is somewhat hamstrung by the fact that it's clearly designed to be part of a franchise and part of sort of a cinematic universe. And so maybe it couldn't go as ambitious as maybe it otherwise could have because it's like you have to kind of fit in with Godzilla and then King Kong versus Godzilla and then what other, whatever other million spin-offs are going to have down the line. Yeah. But I, my real biggest problem with it when all is said and done is the fact that most King Kong films, well, not most, has been hasn't actually been that many, but like the, the King Kong films that are considered sort of in the upper echelon of King Kong films like Peter Jackson's, like the original, are films that stick with you, are films that have an impact. Um, Peter Jackson's film, for all its flaws, has, oh. and there are a lot, yes. but it, what? No, there's not. What? It has an impact, and it's a film that you remember. It's a film that stays with you, and I sort of look at that film as sort of a throwback to classic, long, bloated Hollywood epics that a lot of love and evident passion and evident care has gone into it. It's just indulgent. Um, yeah, this yeah, film fair, doesn't. Fair. This film doesn't have any, any real like any real depth to it. Any real anything apart from John C. Riley's character, which I really, yeah. really loved. Yeah, I think you could stretch that to uh, Samuel Jackson's as well. Just, a, just a tad. Yeah, but not much. Not like enough. his character wasn't was interesting his, on the his surface character level. Is Captain like, Ahab. Yeah. But- otherwise, but and there wasn't really. Like, you know, Captain Ahab's interesting because it's like this, he's like, it's like the whole thing with Quint. It's like this, like a year long grudge that is kind of festered over years because his yeah. character couldn't come to terms with their trauma. Samuel L. Jackson, it's like his men die and then he's pretty much well, on the same character. Yeah, but he's I'm going to hit, hit, yeah. hit that beat and say that Samuel L. Jackson has the long festering thing in that exactly. he's a guy who's good at war, he's not good at peace. There, there's, there's all that, that, that great moment when, when, he's, when he's given the mission and he just does that, thank you, sir. Like, it's like, Everyone else is talking about being home, and he doesn't yeah, see, want to go home. His, like, not- his problem isn't really with Kong in the film; it's just the absence. But that of comes war. back to yeah, like yeah, a yeah. whole show don't tell thing, because like they pretty much tell you, yeah, pretty much in dialogue, this is who this guy is. I would have liked to see something like show me him picking a fight with some Vietnamese people. Show me something that actually indicates to me in a visceral, visual, memorable sense of him doing something, not saying something. Who this guy is? Yeah, not fair. At the start, I, in the first act of the film, I, I guess for me, I, I loved it unabashedly. I will continue to love it unabashedly. There are flaws. Tom Hiddleston being the biggest one. Yeah, what a I, fucking bland character. What a bland. And, like, and, and you can see, Brie Larson was pretty much as bad. Yeah, you could probably only get away with one really bland I don't character. Like, jump ahead too much to the fix of the film, but if you're doing something dangerous when you're listening to this podcast and you're like, you know, you're base jumping or something, and you think you might not make it through the whole episode, what I'm going to do to really fix this film is get rid of those two. See, I reckon you can keep Brie Larson, but I, 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 I will reserve my judgment until I, I hear the, your follow through. My, 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 my biggest criticism, and it kind of ties into the, the franchisey thing, was there were a couple of deaths that felt unearned because they were just like, oh, quick, we need to get rid of these people. Yeah. And there are, if you talk about Tom Hiddleston and Brie Larson being superfluous characters, Kong Skull Island does the Godzilla trope of introducing a pair of scientists who work for the company that ties the franchise together, yeah, who have wow. no fucking point. The the geologist and the girl whose name I don't even remember what her job was, yep. but she works for Monarch, she's pointless. Yeah, both pointless. Yeah. Just have John they, Goodman be Monarch. Um, Just literally have John Goodman be Monarch. The other thing is, this, this is probably worth discussing, and I'm not, because I'm not, again, like really, when all is said and done, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie, yeah. but I think this is worth opening up. I read a really interesting article. Again, this is not an original thought. It's something I read in that article, and I was like, huh, that's, a, that's kind of might explain why this film didn't have much lasting impact on me. It made this, I, don't, I think it was maybe on Vox or something, but it made this, art, this argument that this film misses the point of a King Kong movie, which is the point is King Kong movies since time immemorial i.e. 1933, have always been about man's effect on nature. Even like the 70s film, even King Kong Lives were all about 
man's effect on nature and man ruining nature. And the argument made is that for a King Kong film to really be a King Kong film, King Kong needs to die at the end. But this one's eye is so firmly on being a franchise that it doesn't have that level of depth that made even the weakest of the previous King Kong films something more than your standard monster destruction film. I'm opening that up. Godzilla never dies. Apart from the first one. The very first one. Yeah, yeah, When true. he was a villain, he was an allegory for nuclear war. Yeah, yeah. I still think you get the destruction of nature. Yeah, there's plenty um, of that. Because they, they literally destroy the island and you literally yeah, have yeah. the fact that yeah. because they're blowing the shit out of the island, the evil things come out of the ground because they destroy nature and cause like something that's completely fucked and beyond the realm of everything. Like even the, the normal fucked up shit on this island is like, that's too much fucked up for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We draw yeah. the line of that fucked up. I think so if I you guess, hit yeah. the um, environmental thing too hard, you'd wind up with Avatar. Yeah, but I mean, the uh, the very first- uh, the, Yeah, but that's, that's not true because the very first King Kong did it and the Peter Jackson film did it. And it didn't do it in a way where it was like, here's a big tree that we worship and now the tree's falling and the film's going to really try to pull I'm those heartstrings. sex with an alien. Yeah, no, nah, it's like, I mean, it was just, it's, it's those films weren't necessarily about like, I, I say nature, I mean like, maybe maybe not like nature as in like environment or whatever, yeah. but like animals. Yeah, yeah. Like it's about man literally coming to the environment of this big, beautiful, majestic, incredible animal, ripping it out of its home ripping it out of its environment for man's own entertainment and destroying it. It's, See, it's I would simplify that. that then to say that Kong films are about man being cruel. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I think specifically when you're looking at the theme of a film, you can be as broad, but then you get stuck. Your theme has to be, it can be like two sentences, like a question that can yeah, be like yeah. quite long. In terms of this though, I, for me anyway, Kong films are always about the love story or the, 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 yep. the personal tragedy that it is that Kong dies sacrificing himself for something that he loves. And I think what you get in Kong Skull Island, instead of having the human Kong relationship, it's about the fact that his family is obliterated and he's the last one left. So he's, again, just a really tragic, lonely person doing they the last They thing. definitely did have it's, a bit yeah. of that. There was that beautiful scene where he was like watching the Aurora Borealis, and I thought that was... That's one of the moments that stuck with me. Yeah. And, that, and what I liked about that was it wasn't just... Like, you know, the bits with the helicopters coming and everything, they were beautiful and cool and everything, but ultimately... It's kind of like music video type stuff where it's like, yeah, it's really cool visuals, but it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't have any real depth to it. It's just like, hey, here's cool music and cool visuals. Oh, no, I know, I know. But the bit of Kong. I'm so shallow, guys. My name is literally Handsome Tom. I like (laughs) Look, no, fair enough. (laughs) But but like that scene stuck with me because like it told us about him. It told us about the character. It told us, it suggested so much and inferred so much without shoving it down our throats. And it was beautiful and striking. I mean, that's just good filmmaking. Yeah. Just while we're talking about the beautiful, good filmmaking, mm-hmm. Goose, you revealed to me the other day that, that the cinematographer on this film, yes. who does, as you said, yes, Larry the director Fong. points Larry in the right Fong. direction, but he's a, he's a beautiful cinematographer. And I was like, well, he's really good at his job. And then you were like, yeah, he's Zack Snyder's go-to cinematographer. And I was like, oh, oh, oh. He's been Zack Snyder's man since 300, I think. Which, which I have to say is proof that he's a good cinematographer. All he needs is a good director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's- oh, of course. I mean, like it's you know, cinematography. Snyder's films are pretty. They're just yeah, dumb. Your job is literally to make shit look good. Skull yeah, Island feels like a good Snyder film to me. Four. I think you need a lot more slow motion. There's plenty of slow motion. Like, no, 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 no. Here we go. Here we go. No, we're saying it feels like a good Snyder film. Yeah. So it's all the all the things that Snyder does that are shit aren't in Kong Skull Island, but it still feels like it would exist in a Snyderverse. Without there's not enough motion. unbridled adoration of the male form. That's true. For it to be That's a Zack Snyder film. True. Hiddleston shirt is on. I needed, the I needed Hiddleston to be topless. John C. Riley topless. Yeah, and, and occasionally, yeah. and like carrying a soldier in a really, really slightly homoerotic way. And they need to be like you know searing guitar riffs as they like in slow motion attack someone, yeah, and then the yeah. camera kind of slows down and it sort of zooms in on them for no reason as I mean, they're killing the, someone. The gas mask, and then like which is pretty much just that. The, yeah, the, the gas mask bit. Gas totally mask segment was very Snyder. Was super Snyder. Fairly awesome though. It's the director in an interview with Empire, which I really recommend listening to the Empire podcast spoiler special for the interview they have with uh, Jordan Voigt. Roberts, he, his justification for that scene is just, yeah, it looks cool. The studio was really I, I, angry I, at him for putting it in, but he's just like, it's, it's, it's cool. That's why it's there. I think you could argue that, and this is the point I guess you're making, Gabe, is that there's a lot of the stuff in this film that feels like, oh, yeah, it looks cool. But for me, I just, I always rate a movie on whether during the movie, and especially doing this show now, whether or not during the movie I'm like, oh, I'd fix that, I'd fix that. I didn't actually think those things until the end. So for me, the movie gets a big thumbs up. So, Goose, you've got a big thumb to earn today, buddy. 
<laughs> to get two thumbs up. See, oh, I think, I think oh, I've, I've actually no. All right, no, fair enough. The stuff that I was like, I'm going to maintenance really was stuff that occurred to me after the film, not really during it, because during it I was having a really good time. But there are two sort of main indicators of how I judge a film. One is how I feel while watching it. One is how I feel a week later. Okay, yeah. How much it sticks with me, how much impact it has, how much I think about it. And this was a film that, honestly, and I'm saying this is like a new King Kong film, and I fucking love King Kong films, it's a film that really didn't stick with me much at all. Sort yeah, of just. It's been replaced by an imposter, clearly. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess big monkeys just aren't enough to. <laughs> To satisfy me anymore. Halfway through that sentence, yeah, I was like, am I going to get away with this? Uh, I'm not going to get away with this. That's a weird turn. I think we and should. And here uh, it is. All right, let's launch into this pitch. Pass oh, no, into so pitch here. I did also love this film, and I'm keeping a lot of it. I was going to do a prequel movie with John C. Riley and his mate Gunpei dicking around the island. However, I'd, I'd watch the shit out of that film. Yeah, me too. I know. And uh, the director said that if he was going to come back to this franchise, that's the film he'd make. Yeah. He's no interest in doing King Kong versus Godzilla. He wants them being buddies on the island and having weird madcap adventures. Fuck, how good was John C. Riley? Oh, I just, so it was just we, we so many like, reiterate. He was the best. Oh, he was. Oh, my God. Is he the best? Like, and it was just things like even when like he left the natives and he had the like, tears in his eyes and he's yeah. talking about all he wants is hot dog and his beer. And when oh. he comes home, so much heart. Like, but, but then also just the absurd levels as well. Like that great bit where he's like, yeah, well, well, a cub is a little bear, so it uh, definitely a lion would eat a bear. Like, when he's shaving, he just says, like, I'm going to stab you tonight. He's like, what? What? <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm kidding. Am I, am, I, am I talking right now? Yes, you're talking. I'm talking. Yes. <laughs> he just, yeah. He's so perfect. That, John C. Riley is actually what turned me off because I didn't want to mess with him. I wanted to keep him. And if I did a prequel film, we wouldn't get him. No, you get- We'd get, get the man that leads yeah, yeah, to yeah, him. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's, I he's, kind of, he's kind of a dickhead, let's be honest. I don't know, I don't know much about him. Literally, him just running. I do know one thing. Mm-hmm. He is a terrible fucking shot as a young man, John C. Yes, Riley. Yes, he is. <laughs> it's bizarre. Oh, maybe, maybe it's because they secretly they always loved one another. So they 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 they'd like flown past one another, exchanged a like, lingering look, and gone. I can't kill you if we crash land on this island. Now it's a really feeling like a Zack Snyder film. Mm, there mm. we go. Done. <laughs> Back it up, Goose. <laughs> Righto. So I did again. I saw this film twice. I really, really liked it. But I wanted to fix just characters and stuff. So what I've got here is probably like 60-70% the film we have yep. with added things and extra things and things replacing other things. All right, so we got the same opening Bring it as the movie. Two fighter pilots crashing on the beach, shooting at each other, missing for some reason. John C. Riley's younger Marlowe character, who I was alarmed to learn was not a younger John C. Riley in mocap. I, I, sure, can we do that for this film? Yes, we can. It is the trend. Because the first time I saw it's it, not I missed a that. good trend, though. I think it's a fine trend. What are you talking about? Uh, uh, yeah, Carrie Fisher in Rogue One. <laughs> no, I, I, I see you, Carrie Fisher in Rogue One, and I raise you, Robert Downey Jr., Civil War. I'd raise you, Pete yeah. Cushing in Rogue One. You know what? And I would decrease you. No, that's a few years ago. It won't count. I was going to say Jeff Bridges in Tron. Um, no, no, I'll accept that. But, but yeah, I just- I'll I, accept I, that. I haven't, I haven't seen it enough. And also, I'm sorry, but Michael Douglas and Ant-Man didn't convince me. Like, I- I want to see. And what did you say? You raised me, Peter Cushing, in Rogue One. I would go fuck yourself. I will. Um, like well, that was. That I want. I, I, I want to see that now. I, that was fucking. No, he was. He was worse than Carrie Fisher. Um, disagree. But his face was all weird and out of whack and CGI and Cushing. overly ruddy. No, put him side by side with actual Peter okay, Cushing. So he we're not going to mocap yes. uh, a young. Marlo. Okay, let's okay. not do that. We need, we need to avoid young non-mocap Marlowe runs into the jungle, getting chased by Gunpei. He reaches a clearing, stops, and he drops to his knees, shocked at what he's seeing. Gunpei emerges behind him from the jungle, and he thinks that Marlowe's surrendering, surrendering, accepting his fate, raises the sword behind him, ready to run him through, and stops as he sees in the reflection of his blade what Marlowe is staring at. Two gigantic and majestic gorillas are moving across the plane. Huh. One of them is massive, the male one. He's got grey fur, he's named Greyback. The other is slightly smaller, calling her the Queen Kong for now. And she's carrying a small little ape baby in her arms. And a baby? A baby. A- I don't know what the ape pup term is. I assume it's baby. I think it's baby. I'm going to go with that. I think because they're pilots. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the man, Greyback, is scanning the horizon, looking for threats, being on guard. He sees the two humans, considers them, and then ignores them, keeps on walking. Then he halts. 
He sniffs the air, starts snarling. He gets defensive, starts posturing, gets in front of his wife. A beat passes as we wait. He scans, scans, scans. Camouflage skull crawlers erupt from the bushes, like chameleon sort of camouflage, and they attack. They're trying to get the baby. Greyback fights a couple of them off, but while he's dealing with two or three of them over here, a couple more emerge and attack the queen ape, trying to get the newborn. She fends them off well enough until a massive one emerges and attacks, latching on to the back of her neck and dragging her down. Once she's incapacitated and the baby is left alone, the large skull crawler stalks the defenseless baby ape. Greyback, enraged by the assault on his wife, rushes the large skull crawler. The crawler backs up, considers fighting, but looking at the rage of Greyback and seeing all these other dead skull crawlers, thinks better of it, hisses at him, and disappears back into the earth. Gunpei and Milo witness all of this kneeling side by side in absolute awe. Baby Ape, the Baby Kong, walks over to his mother, who's lying motionless on the ground. He gently prods her and makes worried little cooing noises, trying to get her to wake up. Are you giving me a Lion King moment? Giving you a bit of a Lion King moment. Greyback roars in pain at this sight. He picks up the body of his wife in his arms and walks off into the jungle, Baby Kong following in tow. And we cut to the title, Skull Island. Yeah, I'm, I'm on board. I got a Lion King moment in the first scene, so you've got, you've got half your thumb. Uh. So we're moving to act one of the film, and it remains mostly the same. John Goodman's character, Randa, gets his permission to go to the island from the senator, demands a military escort. We go and meet the military in much the same way. They're all preparing to go home. They're all excited about going home. We give Gabe a bit Samuel L. Jackson fights someone. Yeah, yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah, okay, Samuel L. Jackson is racist to some yeah. Vietnamese, I don't know, POWs, or maybe just like some Vietnamese people. Now, do you know what would know be better? If he wasn't beating up on a Vietnamese guy, but he just beats up on an American soldier. No, I haven't beat up on an American peacekeeper, or like a hippie. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Across yeah. his path. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So after this, we meet Packard. We find Packard in his office, and he's going like we meet him in the film. He's going through his belongings, and you see the letters returned from home without being opened, and he's medals. And in this scene, though, he's holding a pistol, and really considering it. He's taking the end of the war hard. Major Chapman walks in, finds him, and is concerned about his CEO. But Packard, you know. Brushes it off. He says, I'm just packing to go home. Don't worry about it. So while Chapman is concerned about his CEO, he feels differently. He wants to go home to his family like he does in the film. Whereas Packard regrets abandoning the war, as he says to Brie Larson in the actual movie, Chapman regrets going to the war. He went to help and instead all he found was death and destruction. And he left the country in worse shape than he found it in. He feels a bit guilty about that, whereas Packard just sort of wanted to win. Chapman's already a more well-rounded character than he is in the film. Mm. Already, I care about him more. Tick. I, I would hope so. And just like the movie, they get their orders and Packard easy, eagerly accepts. Really, you get to get back to the war. So if we go back and meet Randa and his uh, subordinate monarch mate. And they go to the bar in Singapore to get pick up the veteran tracker. Now, this one's slightly different. He's rum-soaked and he's haggard and he's scarred. He's a bit older. Think like Jeffrey Rush. Okay. Or okay. could I think... Jeff Bridges? You could. I believe Jeff Bridges over Jeffrey Rush. Yeah. Jeff, I don't see Jeffrey Rush as like... Being an arsehole. He's, he's kind of more like an old wine soak who's like a bit of a fop. He's, he's Barbosa. Really? He's not... Yeah. He's not... Yeah. I don't see him as like a haggard badass who's like, no. you know, going to get into a bar fight. I, I'm, I'm going with... He's I a bit too flamboyant. We're mm. going to... We're going to retcon right. your cast. That's fine. <laughs> We're going to put a different Jeff in. Yes. Because how good would it be for Jeff Bridges to be like, what's the fucking monkey doing over there? Yeah. Anyway. Really oh, my, Jeff Bridges was already in a King Kong film, though. He was. I thought, that was, was I thought that's one. what he was doing. That's definitely what I was... Mm, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's really not going to matter because he's only in this scene. Okay. So, well, now then it's a nice tip of the hat. Yeah, cool. They're about to agree on hiring him, then Randa's partner mentions where they're going, Skull Island, and the tracker freaks the fuck out. He refuses to take their money, he refuses to go with them, and he tells them not to, pleads with them not to go. So it's definitely Jeff Bridges. All right, yeah. fine. Where you going there, you're going to die. It's mad talk. It's not really how Jeff Bridges Jeff, talks, get out of the room, we're recording. <laughs> he talks like that in True Grit. <laughs> not really. I can't do a good Jeff Bridges voice. No, you voice. can't do I'm sorry, mate. <laughs> I live in hope. <laughs> Randa assures them that they know what they're looking for on the island, and the tracker assures them that they don't. All they're going to find is death. So they go on without him. While debriefing on the ship, Chapman notes the absence of the promised tracker slash guide. He recommends not going to the mission blind. Bad intelligence is poor, but no intelligence is death. Packard shoots it down, saying they've been in the ship before and come out okay, they'll do it again. It's fine. 
And so we get the same scene and the film flying through the storm, reaching the island, paranoid scene, bombs dropping, that ugly marine sort of lovingly, tenderly chucking the bombs out the side. Yep. Yep. Obviously, here we get more backstory on some of the other soldiers, uh, like the guy who sacrifices himself again. Who's? Wow, I'm proving your point, game. I can't remember any of the characters' names. It's Rogue One Syndrome. Wow. Not even John. Oh, I don't. I'm Mary Marlowe. See, I don't, I don't. Like when you were saying earlier, like Chapman and whatever, I was like, wait, is that Samuel L. Jackson? No, wait, he was the other. No, Heart of Chapman's the only one I remember because I just Conrad. don't remember the actor. <laughs> Toby yeah. Purple. Ah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, I know him. And uh, what, what the fuck? I don't even. I don't know what Tom Hiddleston's name was. I don't know what Brie Larson's name was. Brie Tom Hiddleston's name was Mason or Weaver? something. Weaver. Weaver is is uh, Larson. That's a surname. And Hiddleston. Hiddleston is Conrad because it's a very very. Direct oh, he was Conrad. Yeah, to who Conrad. was Samuel L. Jackson then? Because Marlowe was. Because, yeah, Marlo and Conrad are the two very, like, yeah. Heart of Darkness references. Yes. Yeah. Ah, oh, fuck. See, again, characters, good work, yeah. Phil. So, just like in the film, they discover Kong. Well, Kong discovers them by throwing a tree through the windscreen of the beautiful, chopper. Beautiful, beautiful moment. Yep. Trapman tries to pull the boys out and Packard orders them to engage, and Kong wrecks the entire fleet. So, ship's going down. Packard and his survivors, just like in the film, are on one part of the island. Chapman and his survivors are on another with a third supply chopper in a distant third location with one scientist with it. The scientist makes brief radio it's contact. Than, it's, that's better than Chapman being. Mm. That's way better. Makes brief contact like in the movie to Packard over the radio, gives him his location of where he is and more importantly for Packard, where the supply chopper is with all the explosives. Packard aims to get there, whereas Group B... Team Chapman. Team, team Chapman. I like that way more. Team Chapman aims to get to the rendezvous, po- rendezvous point and off the island, just like in the movie. And just like in the movie, it's pretty much the same journeys for these two groups. Packard and his men set out. They get caught in that spider forest, and that whole scene happens as is, because that was fucking horrifying and fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty good. And the grunts behind him start to question Packard, but ultimately decide to follow him, as they've always done. Yeah. Whereas Chapman's journey replaces Hiddleston and Weaver's journey in the film. They get sort of the is, nice Is Goodman side. still with Packard? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. It's pretty much identical. Just yes. no Brie Larson, no Tom Hiddleston. Yeah. That being led by good mate Toby Keppel. Keppel? Keppel. I don't Keppel. know him, so don't look at me for the correction on the surname. He's a great actor, Keppel. which is why he's in the lead in this film now. Okay. Because I like him a lot, even though I don't know his name. And they move across Skull Island. They come across the water buffalo in the lake and see it, see it in all its beauty. And shortly thereafter, witness Kong cleaning his wounds and fighting the weird squid kraken in all his glory. The only so I, I I watched this with my housemate and girlfriend went and at the cinema it together. Yes, and while watching it, that happened. And as soon as that flooded, my husband just went, "He's American." Was that water deep enough for? An, I don't, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> so he switched off from that point because the water wasn't deep enough for an octopus. So just make sure that water's deeper. He's not wrong, but no, yeah. like way deep. No, no, show Kong. him that video of the squid like in the jar, and it just sort of. Plops through. Yeah, but like, I want my squids deep. Yeah. All right. I know you do. What is with you two? Squids, what's going on tonight? Stop fucking animals, you two. We, okay. (laughs) Look, fair enough. (laughs) I shouldn't have to say it. (laughs) You've pointed out the error of our ways. Now we know. This is your redemption arc. Yeah. So after Kong kills the squid in deep enough water, Chabin and his lads decide to go through the trees to avoid seeing him again because he's a big scary ape who killed all their mates. Kong, on the other hand, grabs the squid, takes off, and brings the squid up to his mountain cave, to his elderly and now distant dad. Where is <laughs> Sean Carney? Did, did, you, did, you, did you literally go, like, I'm going to put a distant father figure in this film just so Sean Carney's on board? It felt necessary. I'll explain at the end, but I can hear Sean Carney's in the house like 20 meters away. I can yeah. hear him. Sort of, His ears just pricked up. Mm. He's, he's whimpering at the door like a dog <laughs> that wants to be let in. With like... Dad, love me. Dad, love me. The wet sounds of a damp slug just being slapped against the door over and over again. <laughs> His dad. Ugh. Damp slug. <laughs> Greyback. His dad, Greyback, is sitting deep in the cave next to a large skeleton. or was once the body of his wife. Kong tries to tempt Greyback out of the cavern and onto the plateau overlooking the island to show the old king the damage the army has brought to the island to see where the island has come since he abandoned it. Greyback is apathetic to the island and all its troubles. He shoves Kong away and takes the squid back into the cave for himself. He eats it sitting next to the body of his Greyback's wife Jeff Bridges in this film. <laughs> he can do the mocap. Yeah. He eats it sitting next to the bones of his wife and Kong, disgruntled and disappointed, walks away. 
Chapman and his group come across Milo and the native tribes, just like in the film. And just like in the film, Milo fills them in on what Kong is on the island and temple and all that. Kong is not the last great ape, but he's the last protector of the island. And that's all he was doing when they attacked the choppers. He's just protecting his turf. The king apes of the island have always protected it. But since Kong is the only one left that's doing any protecting, the island has been growing more and more savage and more dangerous. Especially now, seeing as the bombs have brought back the hibernating skull crawlers from beneath the earth. Smilo fills us in on this. We see Kong discover some skull crawl tracks. He growls and begins tracking them. Back to John C. Riley, that moment in the film where he's like, I call them skull crawlers. And they're just that beat of, oh, is that, I've never said that name out loud before, okay? I just, I just, oh, no, it's a good name. No, I just made it up, right? I'm not, I'm not sure if I like it. Oh, it's very good. It's a perfectly good. Ah, oh, it's so good. He's anyway. just excellent. I love him and I love his beard. And his hat. You would love a beard. So, just like in the film, the group helped Milo fix his boat and spend time with the natives preparing to leave. Chapman tries to help a water buffalo that's trapped underneath a chopper, and Kong steps in. They fix the great fox, leave the natives. Milo talks a little bit about his family after his emotional goodbye to the tribe. Chapman keeps writing his letter to his son, Billy. Packard and Chapman's group soon make radio contact with each other and plan to meet up just a little bit down the river. And that science bloke still gets picked off by the birds in the boat apart because that was funny yeah it's all the same as the film back to kong he finds two of the skull crawlers he's been tracking they're still small and but they're still very vicious he fights them both and kills them in classic fashion you know like they have those t-rex fights and yeah yeah movie. yeah rips the, the jaw, jaw. Yeah. yeah that's what this is kong was tracking three of them he only found two of them he rolls in frustration we see the scientists down at the third chopper he discovers that large stick insect creature and is giddy he's happy he starts documenting it. He's really excited to have discovered a new species. Oh, and he hears a noise from behind him. Turns around. Third skull crawler. Kills the scientist, mate. The two groups meet up. And after a brief disagreement, Packard convinces them to retrieve the surviving scientist at the down chopper. They all set out again. And Milo's saying, you know, you're a good group of boys to die with. That whole bit. Yeah. Pretty much unchanged. Kong climbs back to his cove at the top of the highest mountain. Dead skull crawlers in tow. He drops them out in front of the cave and roars for his father to come out to see what he see what has come back to the f- island in his absence. Greyback doesn't answer, and so Kong tosses them into the cave to get his attention, and it works. Unlike the squid, which Greyback happily ate, these beasts being in his cave, in his presence, even if they're dead, he can't stand it. He tosses them out over the side, down the mountain they go, and Kong tries to get his father to see, to look at the island once more, what, is, has, what it has become. Greyback instead roars at Kong, and Kong, terrified, backs up against the mountain wall by the cave's entrance. It looks like Greyback is about to beat the hell out of his son. But before he does, he pauses and stares at his son. He sees the wounds from the chopper fight, from the skull crawler fight, <sighs> from the helicopter attack. He starts getting flashes of the attack from the start of the film, the, the, of the wounds that killed his wife. His expression softens. He instead gently, kindly, but firmly leads Kong into the cave, into where it's safe. Kong tries to go back out, but Greyback pulls him back in with a nice embrace, preventing him from going back out, from protecting the island. We then get the tar pit skull crawler scene. Pretty much the exact same as the film, because it was great. It's like tar pit, tar pit, tar pit. Oh, yeah, gas mask. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Same thing. Brandon dies here, as he did in the film. And you get See? that. No, but then you get the cool bit with the... The flashing photography inside the skull crawler. I like that too much to believe it. I reckon... Because we don't have another, we don't have another monarch person in the film. Because those two guys are superfluous. They're still there. Now nah, kill them. Um, uh. They died. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I reckon you could kill, you could kill another. If you have one scientist being excited about a Ooh. stick insect, it wouldn't be out of courage to just have another superfluous scientist being excited about um, taking a photo of the skulls and stuff. And then you literally, you have him eaten so that John Goodman can survive. I think. Actually, you know, I what? want John Goodman to live. I'm, I vote Goodman lives. Okay, you know what? Gabe's abstaining from voting by not looking at me. (laughs) I'm just not really attached. Like, he's John, like. For franchise potential, though, he's more of a character than the other two. I mean, the next film's going to be set in the present day. Yeah, none of these characters. Have you seen John Goodman? He's not a well man. He's not going to be around in the 2000s. Not true, actually. Because Godzilla. No, Godzilla's appeared, though. They talk about how he's appeared in the past. Yeah, because he killed um, John Goodman. John Goodman gives that Indianapolis speech about how Godzilla killed his ship and all his mates. Is that Godzilla? I thought it was a skull crawler. No, it has to be Godzilla. It's Godzilla's territory. 
Yeah, I really that. want to equate that with an Indianapolis speech, though. It was a very Indianapolis no, speech. No, but the Indianapolis speech was good. It was. <laughs> the Indian- I didn't say it was a good Indianapolis Rewatching George speech. recently, the Indianapolis speech may be one of the best monologues oh, it's amazing. in cinematic it, history. It, it, it's it not the be. best monologue in cinematic history. That's why I said history. one. Yeah, it's pretty fucking spectacular. It's up there, though. It's like top three scenes What would you put ahead of it? Me? Yeah. Oh, geez. Okay, you put me on the spot. Um, what would I put ahead of it? Just... For the sheer context of it, Tommy Lee Jones has that amazing speech at the end of No Country for Old Men. It's pretty special. It's a really beautiful speech. Doesn't top Indianapolis for me, but Mm, not much does because it's just. Uh, I'm I'm just, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think and you put me on the spot. Um, Come back to me. Continuing. Oh, no. Fucking. Think about like any sports movie, mate. I can't. Goose, I'm sorry. Halftime speeches from coaches. It's It's the president in Independence Day, isn't it? We will not go quietly into the night. Today is our Independence Day. No, I want to go on the record as no. Continue, Goose. <laughs> right, uh, so Skullcrawler Assault still happens. A few changes. I guess Randall lives now because by committee he lives. The Skullcrawler vomits up the half-digested body of the scientist he just killed. The flash photography thing still happens because that was cool. Milo does the sword and gas mask bit this time, saving the life of the young soldier Slivko, who's been riling with them that whole time. That make it, Chairman. I want to make it thing. But okay, <laughs> I want to see. I want to see my, how how funny would it be seeing John C. Riley with the gas mask on, with his bloody sword running through, being an absolute. Oh no 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 no! Badass. Yeah, John C. Riley does that, but make him save Chapman. Because if you make, I unless see, I've got a reason for keeping a Slivko, and okay. it's the same reason they have in the film, but they don't really touch on it in the film quite as much because they're trying to build the sort of father son bond between John C. Riley's character and Slivko. Yeah. No. Nice. No. That's why Mirrors want- the uh, father-son bond of the gorillas. Now uh-huh, I'll, I'll uh-huh. give you points, Goose. Yeah, that's why it's there. But, you know, it's up to you, handsome. I mean, I'll, I'll make any changes you want. <laughs> I like how I'm just controlling what happens in this pitch today. <laughs> this is great. I'm just updating All this pitches from now on should be like <laughs> where I just decide. <laughs> so Godzilla... Sh- I'm kidding. Continue, Goose. <laughs> so after this, just like the movies, the group split up. All the soldiers, except for Chapman, hold off with Packer to go to the chopper to get the, music- the munitions to kill Kong. I almost said musicians. There are no musicians in this film. Packard, it should be. <laughs> Packard orders Chapman away, saying he's no place for cowards. Cowards lose wars. The fellow soldiers don't really seem to agree with this decision. Chapman's quite popular, but they don't question it. Packard is God, and they reluctantly go along with him. Packard sets up his trap, same as the film, setting up the napalm and the gasoline in the lake. Chapman and Marlow go back to the boat and prepare to leave. I guess with Randa now, because we're replacing the scientists. Chapman is about to go, but then stops himself. He thinks about it. He won't leave another place in worse condition than he found it. He won't leave the Iwi at the mercy of the monsters that undoubtedly replace Kong. He won't leave his men behind, his brothers and behind, in the care of some suicidal warmonger. Cool. Good. He and Marlo decide to go to the rescue, just like the movie, instructing the scientists, now scientist, to wait for them. If they're not back by dawn, they go to the rendezvous point. Packard sets off his bombs, destroying the island and its life to try and draw out Kong. And I would really like show him destroying the life this time. Like there's water buffaloes getting gutted by explosions. Yeah, deer burning through. Yeah, really cool. hit it home. Kong sees this from his mountaintop and is enraged, and he tries to leave to stop it. Greyback stops him. Kong tries again. Greyback just keeps stopping him from going out into danger, going back out into the island. Kong tries one last time, and Greyback stops him forcefully. Kong hits him. Oh. A beat passes as they both digest what has happened, each growing steadily more angry with the other. There's two square off, and they start to fight. Dad fight! Dad fight! They start grappling with each other, Kong Greyback wrestling in the cave by the bones of the mother, and then back out to the outside. Greyback is is larger, but he's older. He's out of practice, and Kong's not really trying to hurt him. Kong eventually gets the upper hand, holds him, Forces his father to look out over the island and see what it, it has become. See the fires burning, the damage, the scars on the face of it. Greyback is shocked and overwhelmed by this and slinks back into the cave, sort of panicked, muttering to himself in like a little guttural sort of thing. He's a, not doing In a gorilla much. voice. In a gorilla voice. Yeah. In a gorilla way. Kong is sort of disgusted by this weakness. He turns his back on his dad and sets out to save his island. So we have the same scene as the film with... Kong confronting Packard and getting overwhelmed and consumed by the napalm and brought to death's door. And he's saved by the arrival of Chapman and Milo. They confront the mad Colonel Packard. Chapman says that Packard has lost his damn mind. They don't need to be here. They never need to be here. This is not a war. This is suicide. He relieves Packard of his command and Packard points his pistol at him. 
preparing to kill him for his insubordination, saying that it's necessary that this monster dies, and if Chapman is prepared to die too, that's fine with him. They stand off until Slivko breaks it, siding with his father figure. Yeah, Nice. Marlow. The rest of the grunts steadily do so as well, and Packard is defeated. He's lost another war. The water in the bay starts to froth, and the King Skull Crawler emerges. Chapman and the others run for it, but Packard won't go with him. He's fixed in place just like he is in the movie. And he dies in the same way with Kong regaining consciousness and flattening him. <laughs> that was pretty good. Yeah. Out of all Samuel Jackson's death at the hands of uh, genetically modified and large animals, that's up there with his death in Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> so you've got Kong Skull Island, yep. Deep Blue Sea, Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. Do you have a fourth? Oh, uh, I reckon... There would be easily like a low-budget bullshit film that Samuel L. Jackson has done. I want to say Stakes yeah. on a Plane, except he survives. Oh, no. A CGI'd monster that kills him, his death in Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> and that's probably the number one. And Palpatine <laughs> is the biggest monster of all. It is. He is the Senate. He is the Senate. Oh, boy. <sighs> when Kong crushes him, does he, does he yell out unlimited power? Who? Jackson? <laughs> <laughs> like, you've already had gorillas muttering, so I figure it's not that much of a stretch. Yeah, for unlimited power. Unlimited power! So, the survivors like it. This King Skullcrawler starts pursuing them. Cole tries his noble sacrifice with the grenades. Ends up getting Is that his name? Cole. Yeah. All right. Played by Shea Wiggum, who I fucking love. He's in Silver Linings Playbook, isn't he? He's the brother. I th- well, possibly. He's in Boardwalk Empire. He's in True Detective. He's in fucking everything. He's great. I love him to death. The survivors make it onto the Grey Fox as Kong and the King Crawler fight. After a bit of fighting, just like the film, Kong is thrown by the King Skullcrawler into the shipwrecks and is trapped. He's bound by the chains, he can't move. As soon as those chains went around him, I was like, ooh, I wonder what's going to happen here. Kong is in chains. Betcha they're not going to break. Never. <laughs> the Skullcrawler slowly, slowly stalks Kong, preparing to make his final blow. Chapman orders the boat to turn around to help him, but the boat's cocked it, it can't move, they're trying to fix it. This King Crawler stands directly in front of Kong, face to face, opens his jaws, readies itself to make that killing blow, when a massive boom comes from behind it. We look about, and Greyback rises from the river, standing tall. If Kong is 100 feet high in this film, then his father is like 130 feet. He's fucking massive. It's an impressive and awesome sight. This grey-haired king past his prime, regaining a bit of that former glory. He beats his chest and roars. This crawler king roars and hisses back and they lock horns. Crawler king is very fast and nimble, getting a lot of hits on Greyback because he's older and slower, but he's very powerful. He's got that old man strength. He's got that dad strength. <laughs> he grabs that king crawler and starts tossing it around, sending it into mountains, into the ground. With incredible force and fury. Well done. Greyback starts wailing on the King Crawler with both arms. You know when you see gorillas lose their shit? Yeah. They start pounding with yep. both arms. He does this again and again and again and again until the King Crawler stops moving. Greyback goes to Kong and starts to help him get untangled from the wrecks. Kong is half three when the Crawler explodes out of the water behind him and latches onto the back of Greyback's neck, just as he did with Kong's oh. mother way back when. Goose. Kong roars in frustration, helpless as his father is being attacked. Greyback fights back, but the crawler is coiled around him, pulling him down into the shallow water, performing like a bit of a death roll. Greyback manages to get through and goes to the pummel crawler king one last time again, and the crawler king opens his mouth and sprays him with some foul toxic venom like old mate in Jurassic Park. When Greyback howls in pain and flails back, the crawler strikes and latches onto his throat, drags him down to the ground. Kong roars and breaks three from his vines, using the propellers as weapons as he does in the movie, which was a nice bit of foreshadowing in the film, I thought, as well. Because? Because. In the helicopter attack, Kong gets his hand sliced open by the propeller blades. He then considers that later in the film, before he escapes out of the thing, he looks at his hand and he looks at the propeller blades on the boat and thinks, Oh, I didn't notice that. That's cool. Wow. Yeah. Kong Skull Island's actually quite clever. (laughs) It's what you get for seeing it twice. Wow. Yeah. I noticed it the first time, actually. Sure, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, that's, that's, what, that's what I tell people as well. Uh, that's what I tell girls at bars, and they go, stop talking to me, please. <laughs> so this plays out similar to the film. The humans help a little bit by distracting the Crawler King at some point by shooting at him. And Crawler King eventually tries in desperation to spray Kong with that same sort of venom. And just like in the movie, Kong reaches down his throat and pulls out all its guts. Oh, that was awesome. That was awesome. 
She checks that it's dead, makes absolutely sure, and roars in triumph, beats his chest before tending to his seemingly fatally wounded father. Greyback is all but done. Kong bends down and gently lifts him up, carrying him away, with one last glance at the survivors in the Grey Fox. They've now mended it, and they start to move on to get to the rendezvous point as Kong disappears back into the jungle. They know they're late, and they know they may have missed their only chance to be rescued. Marlowe sings, we'll meet again to himself, just like the movie, and Chapman finishes his Dear, Bill, his Dear Billy letter, apologising for not being better, for not coming home, for ever leaving in the first place. They send up a flare and wait for the rescue to come. We don't see it come. We see character reactions to something coming for them. And we see Chapman tear up his letter. From the flare's position in the sky, we travel back to Kong, who's gone back up to the mountaintop, back to his home. He places his now dead father in the cave, next to his mother. Kong turns and walks back out. He stands on the mountaintop and looks out over the island, his island. From below, we see the Iwi tribes look up and notice him. We see other animals all across the island look up and see Kong, silhouetted against that orange sky. Epic music, like, I think, I don't really remember Kong's theme from this film, but Peter Jackson's King Kong theme was fucking great. Starts to swell and the camera circles around Kong at the top of this mountain. He starts beating his chest and roars. He's the last of his kind. He's the last protector of this island. He's all on his own, but he's without question the king. And then we get our credits and we see John C. Riley's been reunited with his father and it's all nice. Wait, so what was coming? They was were rescued. Oh, so they were getting oh, okay. oh, right. right. I, 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 I thought you I were like, you. I, I, was, I thought like, like Godzilla was going to turn up. Yeah. I was like, okay. like you're going to drop a cheeky Mothra on us, uh, Goose? That's <laughs> I figured because everybody expects this to be a franchise film, they're going to expect a little something like that. So I thought I'd trick you, but same ending as the film. John get C. Riley gets okay, to go cool. home because cool. cool. that was too beautiful. To yeah, me. it was really that nice. was that was beautiful. Only thing because yeah, good yeah. stuff. I don't know if I needed so much Greyback stuff. Like I was just like, because I was like, I was listening to it. And I was like, mm, yeah, I like it. I can see where it's going to go. I can see that you know yeah. he's going to reject it, and at the end he's going to come and save him, and then Kong's going to you know save prove his himself dad. as king and yeah. all of that. And I was like, yeah. But I was like, all through it, like all the scenes we're seeing there, mourning his wife's skeleton, where he's like helping Kong back in, everything. I'm like, they're monkeys. Yeah, but like I, I just I think I think maybe like have you not seen Rise of the Planet of the Apes? Yeah, yeah, but though they're hyper-intelligent monkeys. Not all of serum them. Not all, them. Only one oh. of them. Yeah, the, the, the whole orangutan talking thing was a bit dumb. I mean, they're not really but, talking. <laughs> but um, I, think, I think there's just ways to make it like – I'm not saying by any means don't do that because I think it worked really well in – you know, in an overall scheme, I think there were just ways to make him more analytic. I mean, muttering to himself, stuff like that. It's like, okay, we're getting a little bit too far into people territory here. When I say muttering, I don't mean like literal muttering. I mean like he's making low noises. Yeah, that sort I, of I, I, reckon, I yeah. reckon you can almost... Because the thing is, the thing that really bothered me about Skull Island, the actual film, was that Kong himself really didn't have much of a character. It didn't come across to me super well. Yeah, yeah, he definitely. Yeah, he's like, there to fight. Yeah, he, he definitely just, has he, more. His in character the was like he was just the fucking. But see, the, so the, we're sort of like I guess I'm spoiled by Peter Jackson's King Kong. But the crucial thing with Peter Jackson's King Kong is that he's still character. an animal. Like yeah. he's yes. still very. He has, much he, and an it's, it's that it's that great thing where they try to humanize him, but you can't humanize an animal, and that's yeah. the great failing is that no matter how much yes, um, yes. she tries, I, I, oh, I'm going blank, and I can only think of Jessica Lang and Darrow. And Darrow, thank Only you so once. much. Yes. And I went, no, Faye Dunway, no, that's the actress. Um, no, and Darrow. Faye Ray. But... Yeah, no, not Faye Dunway either. <laughs> no, come on, mate. I'm just, uh, I'm going to see myself out. Um, <laughs> and Darrow's whole thing of that she tries to humanize him. But you can't. But you he's, can't. He's still and that's, why, and that's why he dies. Yeah. And that's the heartbreaking thing. And, but I think you can, you can have your grey back and eat it too if you don't have as much. So if you yeah, that's, scene, that's he goes exactly back, what I mean. Him, yeah. And yeah. like, no, don't want to eat the food, but isn't really interested in it. What you could do potentially rather than having him keep Kong in is when Kong goes out, finds the skull crawlers, brings them back, Greyback just loses his shit and goes out to fight the skull crawlers. It's like shit. He's angry means he's not actually going to be good at yeah, fighting. Yeah. Also, I don't think I need him so much like mourning over his wife's skeleton. I think that's a bit on the nose. I yeah. think don't have the wife's skeleton there, but have the idea that instead of the, the idea being that this big ape is mourning about his love who's been dead for 20 plus years, just have he's him done. broken. He's just done. Like, just the idea is that that probably plus everything else he's gone through has just fucked him. Yeah. And he's sitting in the cave and he's just like eating what Kong brings him and he's just, nah. Yeah. And yeah, and the idea of him losing his the, shit the, and going the, out the there. The king then, is dead. 
basically, yeah. Yeah. without being dead. And I, I, I like that. And Yeah, I really like that. I, and I also really like the foreshadowing of Chapman when he's like, oh, we've been in this country. I hate being here. We, we left it in a worse state than when we- He's like, I'm not going to leave it in a- That's exactly yeah, that the same was really and cool. that's And that's where you get the theme of the man's impact on, on a place. Yes. So yes. not necessarily nature, but a ma- foreign man's impact on a place. On a place. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. Vietnam Very more being that- the soldiers in America went in, Western civilization went in and just fucked the whole country up and they went, well, saw ya. Yeah. So, no, that was- that was And you have sort touch. of like a theme within a theme there about like with, with Chapman's character being, you know, the only person, the, well, the only, the only thing that can actually make up for man's cruelty and man's negative impact on a place is good people. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Is, the, is, is somebody willing to say no? Going, somebody no, willing to say, I'm not going to do this. Yeah. So, you have that in there as well if you, if you want to really read into it. I, I want to beat, because we're trying to give Marlo more to do, I want to beat where when Kong starts beating his chest, Marlo's beating his chest. <laughs> like, so it just, like, roars and it just cuts to Marlo and be like, yeah, you get him. And then, like, why is like, is he the king's back? Or something lame like that. That would be nice, I think. To, to maybe maybe show that Marlo and Kong have crossed paths at least several times in the last yeah, 20 years. Yeah. Can't be that big of an island. Maybe maybe he winks. No, I'm kidding. He wouldn't. That's dumb. Uh, winks no. and finger pistols. <laughs> You taught no. the monkey finger pistols. Yes. 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 Of course I did. No, I'm on board. I'm on board. Cool. Tied the theme up nicely and yeah. uh, still pretty. Good. And John Goodman's alive, so the rest of my thumb is up, Goose. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so I guess on that note, I've been Ed Goose. I've been Handsome Tom. I've been Gabe. And if you've got any queries or questions or thoughts on Skull Island, you can get in contact with us a bunch of ways. You can... Send us an email at sandspanchradio at gmail.com. We We've got a movie maintenance email now. And Zamet sent me a really irate one after the last one being like, you've got your own email address now. I think, but he didn't it, say what it was. He didn't say what it was. And I was like, <laughs> I don't, that doesn't help me. And re- in reality, I probably should have asked, but I didn't. So I, th- I think it's movie maintenance at sandspantsradio.com or movie maintenance. at. Let's, let's go with that. Go with that. E- either, that. either or will work. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, yeah. just the standard sandspantsradio at gmail.com. Um, otherwise, yeah, well, we've got our own Twitter account now. Mm-hmm. We do have that. Yep. Which is at MMSensePants. Yep. Also at SensePants Radio still, I guess. Or you can hassle us at our individual Twitters. I am at Tom Edgoose. I'm at Awkward I'm at Goldberg Moser. Groovy. See you next week. But I heard a rumbling calling to my name. 200 million. listening if you want to help support the show why not become a member at sanspantsplus.com and get early access to our shows a bunch of exclusive content and much much more that's sanspantsplus.com swimsuit check sunscreen check phone charger check don't forget to pack the five hour energy it fits great in a pocket or carry-on and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything now get 20 percent off when you use code 5he travel at 5hourenergy.com expires april 30th one time use only not valid with other discounts remember visit 5hourenergy.com and use code 5he travel to save 20 percent